In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Father in heaven, thank you for Mary's um, acclamation and obedience when she proclaimed, let it be to me a servant of the Lord, according to his word. God, may we have that same posture. May we have that same receptivity. May we be likewise fruitful like the Blessed Virgin Mary. And grant us, O God, in this moment, in these quiet days we pray before Christmas, especially in a year like this year, grant us to hear your word and be fruitful with it. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Great to see everyone. Let's take a moment to reflect on where we've been in the season of Advent. Advent began with apocalyptic imagery, prophets, Jesus is coming again, Jesus speaking of his own second coming with very clear messages, judgment. We have to be ready. We cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light now in the time of this mortal life, etc., etc. So we've moved from that and now we arrive on the scene in Galilee in Nazareth. Remember what Galilee is? It's a backwater. It's a nowheresville. It's a place full of people that are overlooked and forgotten. And the place is overlooked and forgotten. And yet God Almighty sees this young woman, probably 14 or 15 years old, and he sends the archangel Gabriel to her with this beautiful message. We also hear in 2 Samuel David and Nathan going back and forth, and we hear this prophecy about this Davidic covenant that the offspring of David, remember that word, offspring, that God promised to Abraham so long ago, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and that offspring that St. Paul would, would talk about in Galatians 3 and 4. This is the offspring, and it's not just King Solomon, who was also a messianic king, who also was wealthier than any king that ruled before or after. They had all this wisdom. 
It wasn't just Solomon who was the son of David, but also we hear Luke referring back to 2 Samuel that Jesus is the son of David because his father, his adoptive father, if you will, Joseph, is of the line and of the lineage and the family of David. So we've gone from focusing on the second coming. It happens like this every year. I tell you about it and you still you seem surprised. We focus on the second coming and we move to focus on that first coming, that incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ, his nativity or commonly called Christmas Day that we're going to celebrate in just a few days. We've seen the, the light of the Advent wreath has grown from one lowly purple candle to now three and one pink colored candles. The light is growing as the days get shorter and the light increases seemingly. The light of Christ grows within us. And on Christmas Eve, we'll light that center white candle. We'll pass the light to one another as this token and reminder that the light of Christ is in us by the power of the Spirit, by the mystery that St. Paul writes about in Romans 16, this mystery that God himself would put himself in us, that he would dwell with us and in us. It is a mystery. It's something that, God willing, we will spend our lives meditating upon and asking for God's grace to understand more deeply. But at the heart of it, it's just a reality that we have to take on faith. We have to believe with all of our being, even with our gut, we have to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and he has come to save sinners. Tonight, I want to take my cue from the collect. Did you notice that little phrase, running the race? Do you see that in there? That we're sorely hindered by our sins as we've been running this race? It reminds us of Hebrews 12, doesn't it? And do you remember the context that we run the race in in Hebrews 12? There's a great cloud of witnesses. The writer to the Hebrews has been talking about these great witnesses of the faith who saw a kingdom not of this earth, but a kingdom that was coming from heaven, like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and even these judges who were a little bit shady, but still they had faith and still they believed. And Moses, who saw the burning bush and who conversed with God as a man does face to face. And so we have all these great witnesses who are cheering us on, who are watching us run this race, who see how sorely hindered we are by our sin. And I want to pick out one of those great cloud of witnesses because she's written about tonight in the gospel lesson. And her name is Mary. We don't talk about Mary very much, do we, in the Protestant world? Because what happens? Even saying her name, I can see the shivers go up and down your spine. Wait a minute, Jay. Wait, oh, 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 hold on one second. No, we're not worshiping Mary. She's not God. She's not divine. But... She is three things to us that I want to talk about. First, she is the one who gave flesh to the Son of God. Secondly, she is the first and true model of what it means to be a Christian. If you think about that, to believe in Christ, to be a follower of Christ, she's the one that did it first. And lastly, she is and can be like our mother as one of those who's in that great cloud of witnesses. So first, let's talk about this. She's the one who gave flesh to the Son of God. So the church was having some troubles with a guy named 
It's on the tip of your tongue, Nestorius. Nis- yes, I know. You'd be supr- There's a really high uh, theology, church history, Bible uh, quotient up in here. So yes, I know that you knew. So if you recall, Nestorius was trying to say that when Mary gave birth to this baby, that wasn't the Son of God incarnate, but that was just a dude, a man, that would later be united to the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, would later be incarnate. And so the church convened a council, an ecumenical council, which means every, a representative or a bishop from every believing region of the church at that time gathered in a town called Ephesus. You can still go there today. It's quite lovely. Never been there, but I've seen photos thanks to the internet. The council of Ephesus in 431 said that because Jesus Christ is both fully God and fully man, Mary gave him her flesh. That the flesh of Jesus Christ is derived from the body of Mary. Now that seems like very technical language, but it was very important to protect and guard against this heresy that said that Jesus was not fully God and fully, fully man. But somehow there was this separation. And we read it in Luke 135 through 37, because Mary herself, as we'll see, had this deep inner life who was receptive, who was ready, who was watching for the redemption of Israel. Mary herself asked the question, how is this going to happen since I am a virgin? How am I going to give birth to a son that we'll call Jesus, that will be the son of the Most High? And listen to what the angel Gabriel said. Now, don't you love, just pause for a second. This is not folklore. This is not an interesting tale. An angel, a bodiless one, as the church calls the angels, speaks to Mary, comes to this hamlet, Nazareth, which is kind of a hole in the road. Remember, St. Bartholomew, named Nathaniel in the Gospel of John, his first interaction with Jesus of Nazareth is, Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And I recall when I, last time I was in Nazareth, and the only time, we're driving up, up the mountain out of the city, and on the side of the road I see a toilet and a mattress. And I think, this is kind of a hole in the road. This is kind of a, you know, kind of a crummy little town. But an angel of God, one of that company of heaven with whom we sing the Sanctus each time we celebrate Holy Communion, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord, One of God's ministering spirits goes to Mary to proclaim this. And he says this to her. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Because of that, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. In other words, I can give you some details of what's happening, Mary, but I can't explain everything to you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you, and the one to be born from you will be called the Son of God, the Son of the Most High. And later he says, for nothing will be impossible with God. So Mary, this woman who sits in this great cloud of witnesses that are cheering us on, just like St. Bartholomew, just like others that have gone before us, If St. Bartholomew is our father in the faith, we can say safely that Mary is our mother in the faith. 
She is the one who gave her flesh to the Son of God to be born on Christmas Day so long ago. So that's the first thing. Who is Mary? She is the God-bearer, is what the Council of Ephesus says, that she can be called the mother of God or the Theotokos in Greek, or literally translated, Theotokos is the God-bearer. And we know that as we go out on mission for Christ, each and every Sunday as we leave this place, it's meant for us to, just like Mary, bear forth Christ to the world. Now, he will not abide in our womb for nine months, but he lives in our hearts in his Holy Spirit. And so we want to be like Mary, the Theotokos. Secondly, she is the first Christian, a true model of what it means to follow Christ. As I was listening to my Dwell Audio Bible app and reading the accompanying uh, Advent devotional this morning, if you've never used the Dwell Audio Bible app, please check it out. It's amazing. And this Advent devotional is fantastic. And as I was reading today's uh, lesson, the writer said, Mary is one who had a deep inner life. And he mentions that at this time of year, so many things are happening that are outside of us. If you think about it, we're getting, we're traveling perhaps, you know, in a limited way right now. We're seeing family. We're buying presents. We're ordering presents on Amazon. We're doing so many things that are outside of us. And even now, with social media, with the way that we live our lives, everything is just sort of like out there. And think about how much have we reserved in this holy place with us and with God. And we can see that, we know that Mary pondered these things that the angel Gabriel told her in her heart. But we know that she just didn't come to be like that overnight, that like she was some random person. We know that God chose her, that God saw her heart and saw her desire for the redemption of Israel, for the kingdom of God, and that God chose her. And that she truly was watching and looking and anticipating for the redemption of Israel. In other words, she could recognize Gabriel's message. Yes, there was fear and trembling, but not out of disbelief, but simply out of this encounter with this ministering one. She didn't tell Gabriel, you're crazy. She did ask a question. She did want you know, more information, didn't she? And that's okay. How is this going to, I don't get it, how? So it's okay to ask these questions, but look at the answer that he gave her. And look to verse 38. Look at Mary's response. After Gabriel gives her this answer, she says, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. She didn't stop and negotiate for more power. You know, you might think of the Lord of the Rings, and this is a kind of a, a ring of power moment. <laughs> she, she didn't call herself anything of any rank, but this little teenage girl in Nazareth of Galilee said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Another translation says, I'm the maid servant of the Lord. In fact, I'm here 
to serve God Almighty. And so we see in her what it means to be a Christian. Whereas Eve disobeyed the command of God and ate of the tree, Mary, the new Eve, obeyed the commandment of God. And in fact, she obeyed in such a way as to do it in all in total humility. I am God's servant. Surely, she must have understood that bearing this son of the Most High would not be just a huge celebration like she'd won some sort of sweepstakes or she'd been named the recipient of Dr. Pepper's $2 million tuition giveaway. But this was probably a moment that was fraught both with joy, excitement, anticipation, and expectation like we have in the season of Advent, but probably a reckoning of the depth of difficulty that she would face. That is not unlike our Christian life. We're filled with joy, and at the same time, we face sometimes indescribable suffering and trial. And so St. James, the half-brother of our Lord, would write with confidence, consider it all joy when you're faced with trials of many kinds. Because that's going to develop your faith that's going to give you perseverance. I wonder if St. James had Mary, the mother of God, in mind when he wrote that. So she's the one who gave flesh to the Son of God. She's the Theotokos. She is a true model Christian, one with a deep inner life who could receive this word from Gabriel. And, And remember, friends, our deep inner life with God is not just brain. It's not just neuroscience. It's not just cognitive. It has to do with all of our being. And think about that. She didn't come up with an idea. She gave birth to an individual, a person. And think about this also. I feel like our world, with such a strange, messed up ethic right now, when it comes to what it means to be human, I feel like when the church loses this healthy adoration of Mary, we can get way sidetracked. It's beautiful that at the pinnacle of our faith of what it means to be a follower of Christ, it's not a white dude on a throne somewhere. It's a little girl from Palestine, 14, 15 years old, who says, I'm God's servant. I'll say yes to him. Hmm. We have much to learn from those who have gone before us. And that's why we can call Mary our mother. Neuroscientists, psychologists have recognized the importance of this this mother-child bond. In fact, when a baby's born, I don't know how recently this started, but now when a baby's born, they want that baby out of its mother's womb on the mother's skin as soon as possible. It's called kangaroo care. They want this closeness. In fact, and we know too that as the baby gets older and older, it needs to be looked at directly so that these mirror neurons in their brains will develop. And that's how secure attachment happens. It is a mystery. It is a beautiful mystery. And Mary had that with the Son of God, with our Lord Jesus Christ. It's no wonder that at the wedding in Cana of Galilee, that when they needed something from Jesus, 
Where did the disciples go? They went to Mary. Hey, will you ask him? And what did Jesus say? Hey, it's not my time yet. What does this have to do with me, woman? But still they go straight to her. And so she has this connection with Jesus Christ like no one else in history does. No other human does. She's the first Christian. She's the mother of God. She knows suffering. She knows trial. There's one icon that I have of the crucifixion. And oftentimes when I'm feeling like I'm going through a trial or suffering, I remember this icon and I look at the, the face of Mary. So, so here's Jesus Christ on the cross in the, in the center of the icon. On the left, on our left is Mary. And on the right is St. John because he's the one that did not leave Jesus. And it's this moment where Mary, or where Jesus gives John to Mary and Mary to John. Woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. And I see on her face this look of agony and pain where she was able to bring this child into the world knowing that this child would be taken from her. Maybe not knowing the circumstances, but if you think about Eve bringing a child into the world, how different this child is, this new Adam would be, as St. Paul calls our Lord Jesus. And I can see the suffering and agony on, our face, on her face, and I think she has experienced the lowest of low. By God's grace, with God's help, I can walk through this minimal, this light and momentary thing, as St. Paul says, that God has in front of me. And so oftentimes I think of her like a mother in that great cloud of witnesses cheering me on, cheering you on, cheering us on. The church, the church too is our mother. The church is our virgin mother. Remember, the, the wedding feast of the Lamb has not yet happened. Christ is the bride, bridegroom, and the church is the bride, and they are not yet joined together, and yet the church keeps begetting children, sons and daughters of the Most High God. And so Mary serves as this beautiful type for us as our mother, our virgin mother. She had that perfect attachment and bond with our Lord Jesus. So when we face suffering and trial, anxiety, we can remember that she is our mother, that she has faced something like it too, and that she cheers us on in this great cloud of witnesses. Friends, we are running the race. We do have an end point in mind. We do await eagerly the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us remember that out of all that great cloud and company of witnesses, there is one who had a very special, who has a very special relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave him her flesh, who shows us what it means to be a Christian, and who cheers us on even now. Let us pray. God in heaven, as we approach this Christmas day, let us be like Mary, not just today, but in all of our days, as we hear the word from the angel Gabriel, and as we hear your word to us, as you say, nothing is impossible with God, let us say, let it be to us according to your word. We are the servant 
of the Lord. We thank you for her. We pray that we may be made like her. But most of all, Lord Jesus Christ, we pray that we may be made like you in your image and in your likeness. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.